So forgive me if you've heard me tell this story before, but um, I'd like to just take a minute and share it again and then uh, talk about something for a sec. Um, Some years ago, there was a family at our church that uh, we loved. We loved. They were part of our church. We loved their kids, all that. And um, and one day, uh, the mom and dad uh, asked me if I'd like to get together for coffee because he wanted to discuss something with me. And so we got together, and they uh, uh, and they asked me, and they said, um, we are holding a different view of eschatology. I'm summarizing the conversation, but essentially they were they 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 said, you know, we we are espousing an amillennial view of eschatology. We've listened to some people. Um, it makes sense to us. This is what we believe. And they said, and, and they know that I happen to hold a pre-tribulation view. Uh, that's, you know, I make no secret about it. But um, so they, the reason they were telling me this, and they went on to ask, they said, you know, we, we just wanted to know if it's okay that we're still coming to the church, even though we have a different view. And I, you know, I, I said, well, of course you can. You know, it's, you know, this is not an issue that believers have to divide over. On the one hand, I fully understand and appreciate the idea that you'd want to be surrounded by believers who hold a perspective that your same perspective on an issue like that. But I don't think that that having a different eschatological perspective requires us to separate, you know, um, you know, for example, if I was in an area and the, the, the only real Bible teaching church in the area, now we're not the only Bible teaching church in our area, but I'm just saying if, if, if I was in a fellowship where the pastor held a different eschatological view than I did, um, but the church was a solid Bible church, I was surrounded by believers who loved the Lord and we had developed relationships and the kids were growing up, but we held a different view in terms of um, the rapture, the coming of Christ, you know, how that plays out. Our, our understanding of Scripture differed on that point. I don't think you have to divide over that. I don't think you have to go find another church. Um, if you do, I mean, I understand it. But if you do, it doesn't mean we have to separate per se. You know, our, our fellowship can still remain. We can be friends. We can hang out. We can talk about those things. Um, I have uh, very, very good friends who are Reformed or Calvinist, and I'm not. They remain some of my very closest best friends. And it's just, yeah, I don't think you have to divide over that kind of thing. These are, these are positions that we take, presumably with a good faith effort in understanding the scripture, listening to people explain these ideas and talk about them, exploring them, uh, trying to plumb the depths of them so that we can get our best understanding. And when we do that, it is possible that we will land on different perspectives on some of those kinds of things. Now, I call those, I say those kinds of things because there are some things that are fundamental to the Christian faith. You can't differ on them and still be a Christian. The deity of Christ, the triune nature of God, salvation by grace received by faith alone, uh, not faith and works and that kind of thing. Uh, that's a different gospel. Um, there are things like that that make us Christians. If you if you believe those things, you're a saint. If you reject those those kinds of things, then you ain't. You know, so it's um, it, it's the kind of thing that that it's fundamental. Um, like it's uh, uh, was it Augustine? I think who said, um, you know, in the essentials unity, in non essentials liberty, in all things charity. And so we recognize the idea that in, and it may not have been Augustine, boy, I feel like it is, it's always ascribed to him, but for some reason I feel like someone corrected that one time. Anyway, if you know, you can let me know, I, I should look it up anyway. But, um, but the idea that in the essential 
dog doctrines of the Christian faith, we have to have unity on those things. We can't bend on uh, the gospel, for example. It is what it is. And if you believe it, you're saved. If you don't, you're not. If you have a different gospel, Paul said there is another gospel in that kind of thing, another Jesus and such. So that's important. Uh, the nature of God, he's expressed himself in triune fashion. He is Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Or you could say Father, Eternal Word, and Holy Spirit. And you'd be speaking of the triune nature of God as is expressed throughout the pages of Scripture. The deity of Christ, of course, in connection with that. The personality of the Holy Spirit. These are elements that that feed into this idea of the Trinity, but also um, um, each individual perspective that I just mentioned is, is spelled out in Scripture. So these are essentials. Something like eschatology, the idea that um, the rapture might happen before uh, the 70th week of Daniel, or in the middle of, or maybe three-fifths or you know, uh, past the midway point, the pre-wrath perspective, or at the post-trib, or even all millennial. These are not, this is not a subject that requires us to fight and argue, or as is sometimes put forth, uh, to say that, you know, your perspective is totally of the devil kind of a thing. Um, the pre-trib view is sometimes accused of that. I recently had a conversation with somebody who basically said that all the other perspectives other than the pre-trib view uh, are from the devil and this kind of thing. None of these perspectives are necessarily of the devil, okay? These perspectives are the product of hard, hard-studied, hard uh, lengthy approaches to um, to theological study, to understand these, or eschatological study, to study these things, and to come to the best sense of what the scriptures are saying in their entirety. In other words, these views are not born out of somebody finding a verse or two and saying, therefore, all the others are wrong. These are entire systems of eschatology. Uh, I'll try to remember to do this, but there's a, a good example of what I'm talking about. Uh, as I was watching a video uh, kind of a long time ago, I just rewatched it again, but it is a discussion, a roundtable discussion with a moderator and three people that hold three different eschatological perspectives uh, on the rapture, second coming, that kind of thing. I think it was held by Southern Seminary. And these four guys got together and they discussed these things at depth. They expressed their positions um, they joked with each other, kind of poked fun with each other a little bit. They were, you know, sometimes self-deprecating. You know, they were, uh, it, was, it was exactly the way you'd want to see a conversation like this unfold. And one of the interesting things about that was they all taught at the same school. So the school, apparently, if I'm understanding that correctly, was willing to have teachers with differing perspectives under the same roof teaching the same student body. I found that, and I'm hoping I did understand that correctly, because I find that massively refreshing. Um, matter of fact, in concert with that, I'll, I'll try and remember to post this one as well, but there's another video by a guy who I think might be a professor at that same school, I forget, but he went on and himself discussed some of the major, um, uh, some of the major positions on eschatology. And when he came to the pre-trib view, he viscerally, visibly got excited about it as he was talking about the merits of the position and all this kind of thing. But then he went on to talk about amillennialism and it turns out that's the view he espouses. I thought that was pretty awesome because here's a guy who doesn't even hold the position that I hold, but he still saw the merits of it and respected that even though he ultimately leaned toward a different one. And so I find that not only refreshing, I find that valuable. 
I think that it's important for us to be able to to hear other perspectives, to weigh them against our own, to consider the merits of them, and to have that discussion on the basis of the merits. Uh, When we begin to sort of have those those kinds of discussions and we sort of degenerate into this idea of, of of ad hominems or, or name calling, you know, making personal attacks on people because they hold a different view than I do. Um, that that demonstrates more of a defensive kind of an attitude more than a genuine sense of okay, well, let's consider this position based on what you know what supports it, and then make our decision based on the merits. Um, I, my position is a pre-trib one, not because I'm just hoping it's pre-trib. I think we should all be hoping it's pre-trib, right? I mean, wh- why would you want to stick around? But I don't hold the view just because I'm hoping it's true. I, my, my study of the scripture uh, with both the explicit and implicit um, elements that, that make up that perspective are the reason why I stand on it. Um, I've had lots of discussions and debates about it, and I find that position more firmed in my, in my thinking than the others. Someone else would say the same thing about their perspective. This is not my enemy in Christ or an enemy. This is a brother or sister in Christ. This is somebody who I love and will will spend eternity with, and we won't be arguing about this once we're there. You know, we'll, as I've said before, we'll have our arms around each other. We'll laugh. We'll probably kid each other about why it is that we fought about this before and that kind of thing. The point is, there shouldn't be any fighting about it. Healthy debate is not the same thing as fighting. Debating is bringing issues to the fore, comparing ideas in a persuasive way, but the idea is that if, if another idea has stronger merit to it, then you should consider, you know, potentially maybe that's the right position. Or maybe your own position is firmed up as you go through this process. But whatever the case, it does not require us to be fighting with each other about them. Um, I would never dream of saying that somebody who held an all-millennial perspective was doing so because the devil was deceiving them. Um, I think that, that that's unfair. I think that if someone has spent the time looking at it, and this is like, for example, I think uh, uh, I've been saying names lately, and I'm, I'm hoping I'm right about the perspectives that I'm ascribing to them. But um, look at somebody, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm pretty positive. Can you be pretty positive? I'm pretty positive that uh, this is the case, because I was listening to sort of a comparative discussion between Vody Bausham and his all-millennial perspective and John MacArthur and his premillennial perspective. And these are two guys who are a great example of what I'm talking about. They love each other. They're brothers in Christ. They've shared the stage together. And, uh, and they have a great relationship, even though they very firmly hold different positions on that. Um, uh, you know, so that, that's the way we ought to approach these things. So, um, and by the way, I'm not saying this because sometimes people accuse me of, <laughs> of, of being misled by the devil and stuff because of my perspective. Um, when I see that kind of thing, I'm not even disheartened by it anymore because it's just, you know, we all, anyone who's going to teach and be in a position of, of, you know, putting themselves out there is going to face that kind of thing. It just goes with the territory. But I do see it as an opportunity to sort of take a minute and do one of these kinds of videos where we talk about the idea of having genuine Christ-like love for each other, even when we don't agree with each other. Uh, and again, I'm not talking about essentials. We can still love somebody who ha- is not even a believer, right? But when it comes to standing on the faith, there are only those essential things that, that like Paul would say in, in, uh, in, in his writing to the Romans, where he talked about um, marking those who cause divisions among you, not, not according to what you've been taught, and avoid them, right? There are sometimes we have to do that when it comes to those essential doctrines. 
Eschatology is not one of those. That's not something we have to divide over. I think it's good to have a firmly held position and that you can support it, back it up, defend it, but I don't think we divide over it. And so um, I was actually going to answer uh, one or two questions that came in on the subject uh, as I started this post, but as I got thinking about it more, I thought I would just go ahead and devote a brief post uh, to just the topic of being able to discuss these things meaningfully, even passionately, but in love and in genuine fellowship without being accusing somebody of, of being misled by the devil on a subject like this. Again, I think that's unfair, and I think it doesn't necessarily recognize the legitimate uh, depth of study that somebody may have put into coming to the conclusion that they have. Um, so I, I think um, hopefully that just makes the point. And I'm going to maybe just stop there because, you know, in the multitude of words, sin is not lacking. I don't want to go on and say something dumb. Maybe I already have, and I just didn't notice it. But um, but mostly I just wanted to say that. And then uh, in the next post or two, I'm going to go ahead and address some of the questions that have come in. Because uh, you know we love to do that here on this channel. We love to talk about things like eschatology. We love to answer questions in general. We love to do verse-by-verse studies. Uh, we're going through Romans right now. Um, uh, such a rich study. Romans is such a fundamental book for the believer. Uh, and we're about to get into some of the really hard stuff, too. Um, it's been wonderful making our way through talking about grace and, and salvation and, and all of the, and the, the no condemnation in Christ Jesus and all of this that we've been getting into Romans 8 now. Well, pretty soon we're getting to get into, we're going to get into Romans 9 through 11, which is considered among some of the most uh, difficult and even troubling, depending on your. Um, I shouldn't say depending on, but for many, Romans 9 through 11 is considered very troubling because it talks about subjects like God's sovereignty and, and election and those kinds of things. But we're going to go at it and hit it head on and, and just make our way through it. And so um, I encourage you to join for those. Again, Romans is so foundational to the Christian's understanding of their faith and building of their faith. I think this is a book we need to be extremely well acquainted with. And so uh, we love to do verse-by-verse studies and that kind of thing. So thanks for coming along for the ride, and uh, thanks for giving me a few minutes here just to sort of speak to the subject about how we deal with the subjects and that, that sometimes divide us, and uh, hopefully you agree with that perspective. If not, I still love you in Christ, because that's what we're talking about, right? So anyway, um, that being said, I'm going to close there for now, and then we're going to go ahead and take a question or two in the next post or two. So Father, we thank you for giving us hard things to discuss. If nothing else, it causes us to learn how to love one another even when we don't agree with one another. Uh, We pray, Lord, that we would hold firmly, and certainly when it comes to defending the Christian faith and its foundations, that we understand those things that are essential and don't bend on those even an inch. Uh, Even as Paul said, you know, when the Judaizers came, he did not give in even an inch. Or when Peter stood up and, uh, uh, and, and began to sort of part ways with uh, and and get with uh, the more legalistic types and such, Paul didn't stand for that. And so help us to have that kind of a heart and mind when it comes to the essential, foundational, fundamental truths of the Christian faith. But when it comes to those other issues that are not salvation issues, uh, you know, where someone going to heaven or not is not based on what they think about that, help us to be uh, charitable, help us to be truly loving with one another to enjoy and engage in the debates and everything, but not to make it personal and, and hurtful and that kind of thing, but rather to discuss the merits and to, and to develop within ourselves an ability to do that. Uh, Father, um, we just pray that, uh, that, Father, that would be sort of the, uh, another way of expressing love, where we can disagree agreeably and, and still walk away as brothers and sisters in Christ and friends. So, uh, Lord, we love you, we thank you, we praise you, and we do ask you to continue to bless our times together as we open your word and look into these things. And we ask this 
in Jesus' name. Amen.